in time for this moment. Lord Jesus, King of our hearts, lover of this world through all that it's facing, God, I pray that in these next moments as we look at your word, we look at your instruction for us, that we recognize you are so wholesome and good to bless us through it all. Never let us lose sight of the blessing we hold. There is no victory of the enemy here. There is no applauding of the enemy here. Instead, we rejoice that we continue on in victory, a Jesus, a Savior, a God, a Father, who works through all things for good. We thank you, Lord, and be with us today as we read and understand your word today. Amen. Amen. So, in lieu of everything that's been happening, I put together a, a sermon that uh, I titled, The Nature of the Church in the Midst of Crisis. And I feel that that's really fitting for today. So, of course, you know, it's a sermon. I got three points, and I tried to make them all unify in our understanding of what is the nature of the church in a time of crisis. So, it's been a week. We know that. Let's just start with the first point right off the hop. And I called it sharing is caring. Okay? You're going to notice these points all rhyme. Sharing is caring. I'm going to read first from Acts 2, 42 to 47. I know you know it well, but let me read for you. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear... Uh, came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now, all who believed were together and had all things in common. They sold all of their possessions and goods and divided them among them all, as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Church, let me just give you some understanding of this context. This part of scripture is the early church. This is Jesus ascending into, into heaven and giving the instruction to all the body of Christ to be people that really know how to do it right. Be people that by the infusion of the Holy Spirit, they just had the Pentecost moment earlier that day and they speak and now this instruction of what they've been doing since that day is that they gather, they listen to the words of the apostles and the teachers. And what they do is they actually sell all their possessions and share them. And that's what I want to highlight. Verse 45, again, they sold their possessions and goods. They divided it among them as anyone had need. So listen, I know this sounds crazy, but, you know, we take a lot of our instruction for how the church runs based on the teachings of Paul and the apostles and what they did back then. And I have to tell you, a church, at least the nature of us, in a time of crisis should not be to conserve, to hoard, and to act as I know some have, some in this culture. See, our culture has gone uh, and, and done a good job at making everyone feel valued and respected in their free choices. But all of these values, they rest in the value of individualism. You do you, I'll do me, and they can be them. 
That was always the idea. So everyone is happy when everyone gets their own way. It isn't a healthy community, and it is a disjointed group of selfish individuals, which we're not called to do, church, not at all. See, God's standard permitted the church, it permeated the church, rather, this standard for everyone. And they sold their possessions and divided it among them as anyone had need. So in other words, they got together, they piled their toilet paper in the middle of the sanctuary, and they divided it amongst everyone who was in need rather than hoard it. And of course, that's not necessarily the case. I'm being a little bit jokey here. But you have to understand that we need to be people who are not um, causing and instilling more fear in everybody else. We need to be showing that we're calm, we're cool, collected, making wise choices and doing the right thing, right? So I'll just leave that there. I'm just saying we need to be people who share, who care, right? In wisdom. And in the midst of this crisis, uh, we don't want to be part of the problem, but more of an answer to it, church. People are seeking the church for answers at a time as this. So again, we're not part of the problem. The second point I want to mention is steer clear of fear. I can't really put enough weight on this one, okay? Second uh, Timothy 1, 6-7, this is Paul the Apostle writing to his uh, to his. Uh, his successor. He's writing to Timothy and he says, therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We were never meant to live in a state of fear. It's not what we were created for. Rather, we were and are to use our God-given gifts to restore brokenness. And if I was in a room with a crowd and I could say, who could show me hands that you know this world's broken, I'm sure all of you would be raising that hand right now. We do know it's a broken world. We do know that sickness and death and uh, harm can come to any one of us as we say the rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. But here's the thing. The difference between the righteous and the unrighteous, the difference between us called out of darkness into marvelous light is that we don't live by the standard of fear. So how to face potential suffering? Because here's the thing. This is a full scope, not a message for today, but for uh, forevermore. It's scripture. How do we face potential uh, suffering? Is anyone here even facing potential suffering? Well, I'm positive that we are. And this is what it looks like. So if you're worried at all this week, if, if you felt stressed at all this week, if you have anxiety about something, then this is potential suffering. See, we all face potential suffering one way or another. See, stress has come, right? Let me give you some examples. Uh, what if I can't pay my bills on time? What if my car breaks down on the highway? Uh, what if I parent as poorly as my father? What if my boss lays me off next? What if um, someone notices my zits or my pimples? What if, uh, what if I get the coronavirus? Or what if, what if I don't have toilet paper from Costco or anything? Fill in the blank, folks. We can be a worryful culture and we can harm ourselves with this worry. I don't know if you know this, but I think this is an important thing to understand. I'm sure if you heard of fight or flight, 
That condition you get in when faced in it with adversity, where you need to choose to fight or flight, to, to face it with anger or to run away in fear. This is a common reaction to potential suffering. See, fight or flight is what science says uh, your soul must choose when facing danger. Fight or flight is good to have when confronted with like a bear or uh, something of that nature. Uh, it gets the adrenaline pumping. It gets uh, the stress hormones kick in and it helps you to really get moving when you need to because decisions need to be made and you need to act quickly, right? Uh, it's good for a few seconds. That's what it's there for. It's kind of that safety switch. And, and humanity though, they were never, none of us were ever made or created to live in that state. We were not meant to live in the state of fight or flight. And many of us, many of you, many people around us, church, are right now living in the state of fight or flight. They're living in a state of that adrenaline, the hormone that kicks in that causes this chemical compound in the brain. And, and they're not leaving that state. These stresses don't do well on our bodies, folks. If we're really talking about health at the end of the day, what good does it do to stay in a state of anxiousness, of fear, of, of this, even just down to the science of having that kind of chemical reaction happening? It's not good on your heart. It's not good on your mind. And it's really not good for your soul, folks. See, I, I guess science has proven, I say I guess because I'm not a scientist, I'm just an ordained minister, uh, but I, I, I guess the science has mentioned that the release of these chemicals, they corrode your brain. Your IQ drops apparently by about 25% in the state of fight or flight. You act quickly, usually, but not always wisely, church. We will live in fight or flight and when we live, sorry, in fight or flight, we live in fear and it destroys us. So I encourage you not to live in fear. See, fear and anger, they are used to control people. These are things that we've seen in certain modes of politics. I don't believe that's the case today. Uh, so please hear me out there. But I know in other worlds of various different governments that don't have the privilege of the freedom we have in Canada, which I'm honored to be a Canadian citizen, uh, and here in North America, I know there's other politics, other governments around the world, they use fear and anger as their main tool to govern their body. And certain religions do the same thing. Uh, cults even. This is what Hitler did, other cult leaders. Fear and anger is a powerful tool and they will use it to control. And we're not here to be controlled, folks. We're not here to be uh, manipulated or to be confused by all of this. So please, we're not here to live in fear. See, fear and anger is not from God. If your church uses fear or anger to manipulate you. It is not from Jesus, and you need to actually get out of that church immediately. See, Jesus is the king of his church. He's the king of our church, folks, and he will not let it rule this way. Sometimes we need to get away from what causes us stress or fear. So church, some of us need to fast these triggers that cause us to worry greatly. So I'm telling you, folks, 
get your news these days, especially at this time when everyone's trying to find the right news form, get your news from a credible source. It might not be a social media platform. I know I'm on Facebook speaking to you, but be wise, church. Seriously, consider where you're getting your information. Is it socially engineered for you? Is it trying to induce fear or is it informative? You want to find something informative and that's just something that I believe will help us in the long run. So just look for real information. Don't look at the propaganda. Understand the truth. God will help discern. When we face potential suffering, we are really afraid of loss. This is what triggers the fear and anger. We're afraid of loss. We're, we're worried that something around us or someone we love will go missing or get sick or pass away. Ultimately, that's the reason we have fear in this world, why we have any kind of suffering. When we bring the anxiety into our lives, it's because we think something, someone, a piece we care of will be lost. I can't lie to you, sometimes we do lose things. Sometimes we do lose loved ones. But when God is in the picture, there's always life. See, it's never over with him. It's never, ever over with him. And if you trust in him, rest is in Christ Jesus. This is the God we serve, folks. That rest and restoration, it comes from our Lord. Never be in a place where you are surrounded and holding on to fears that destroy and harm. Look to the Lord. His trust will envelop you as you bring it forward to him. Um, when we feel anxious, we turn to him and our anxieties will diminish in his presence. Let me read some scriptures for you. Isaiah 26, 3. You will keep, this is about the Lord. We're speaking about him. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Isn't that the truth? Isaiah, again, he's got some good ones. Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon formed against you shall prosper and every tongue which rises against you in judgment shall condemn. Uh, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is from me says the Lord. And one more. I know many of you are reading this and quoting it. It's so good, I want to read the whole psalm. I'm going to read Psalm 91 for you, church. It says this, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the, uh, the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day. Verse 6 says this, church, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. And we claim these things in the Lord Jesus' name. Verse 7, a thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will not observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make 
The most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you, nor disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their, with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show my salvation. Church, I pray that you read this scripture, that you look toward these things, and you start to understand we have a God who cares for us greatly. Now, here's the thing, and I want you to understand it. I do believe that this is a serious case that we are facing, and that is causing fear in our culture. But do not fear. Act in wisdom and look to these scriptures to encourage you that God has you in his hands, loves and cares for you. No matter what happens on this earth or to this body, it does not change or, or diminish the work you've done in serving him or the work that you still can do regardless of your physical state. I've seen better and stronger and more powerful and dedicated prayer warriors in ICUs than I have healthy, working, and busy with the everyday life. Do not let the fear of what could or couldn't be with this disease overtake your calling to be people of Christ and to be the church. Like I said before, Call one another and speak over Skype and worship and pray and encourage. God's going to be an answer to many people seeking that answer today and seeking that answer all over through the next few weeks. Look to him. Be the message of peace, grace, and love. That is needed and vital. Truly, truly the most important thing you can do. So here's my last point. I had three points so far, like I promised, which was sharing is caring, right? Don't be of this culture, be of kingdom culture. Uh, steer clear fear. And the last one, because I like rhyming, is be wise, you guys. And I want you to be wise. I really want you to use your brains and think and consider things. I don't want you to just say, oh, it's propaganda, it's this or that, or to fight things. Just be be wise, Think good and well on these things. I trust and back our leadership when they say, we're going to go online today. We're going to close the doors. We're going to be smart because we are examples to be set. And we set this example for a lot of people that want to trust us. They want to look to us for what's the mode. If the church is doing it, I want to do it too. If the church is gathering in large groups, then I know we can. But I want you to know, it really does seem to be wise to take our time to just be smart about this, folks. So we're not living in fear, but we're not living uh, in a reckless, ridiculous way either, right? So please understand our hearts. That's where this comes from. So let's read some scripture. Uh, Ephesians 1, 17 to 19, Paul writes to the greater church. He says this, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart 
may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength. See, Paul is praying this as he writes it, and he's praised this blessing over the church to be people of deep thought and consideration. That the church would not follow uh, a message blindly, but actually that rather they would they would think, that the church would think and consider and understand how God actually works through Jesus. A lot of this is to understand the salvific nature and the theology, the understanding of who God is and what he's done, but he actually wants us to use our brain. See, we're not emotionally driven. We do have hearts and emotions that reflect God and who he is, but we actually were given logical thought and wisdom as a gift. And we don't want to neglect that or lose that. It's important that we hold on to it. So we often say the Lord works in mysterious ways, but I want you to know that that's not in scripture at all. See, God may not do the various things the way that we would want him to do, and thank goodness for that. But God's will, his intentions, and his heart may not always be easy to understand, but they're meant to be understood by our minds. Give it time, give it study, give it prayer. Your mind is made to understand things of God. See, we do a study, we call it theology, which is the study of God and the things of God. And it's not just for academics, church. It's for humans. Theology, the study of God, is for the creation he made intelligent enough to consider loving him back. And that's why we're here. That's what we're doing. We're thinking on him using this gift. So, uh, we weren't just created to think about him, but also to think and share in wisdom for the sake of the world that he has blessed us with, this habitat, as I mentioned earlier today. Uh, it's for our own well-being, so please consider and do these things. Again, some scriptures to help you understand. Proverbs 2, 6, the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. James 1, 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all, uh, to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Romans 12, 2. You can write these down or go back and watch the video later. Uh, Romans 12, 2. And do not be uh, uh, conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is uh, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? They're looking for us to be the decision makers, church, the rest of the world, right? Maybe in a panic, maybe trying to figure out what they're going to do. But a lot of them look to us. They want to know what's the wisdom? What does the church do? They're supposed to be the smart ones. They, they're people who need to represent God. So we're going to make good decisions together, okay? We're going to do that, understanding that we do it all in love. So in conclusion, and trust me, I only have one conclusion. This isn't like, you know, normal Sundays. So in conclusion, the church is the people. We're not a building. We're not a building. We aren't just the board. We're not just the pastors or the worship team. We are, all of us, the church. And the church can function fruitfully when gathered in one accord and online is just as good as one accord as here in the room or anywhere else. So be blessed 
as you do that today. The church works uh, a strategy to share love during this crisis. The church works to uh, uh, just eradicate fear and stand firm on the word. And the church ultimately is gifted with God's wisdom to make good decisions. So decisions like when we need to listen to our government regarding the safety of others and how to best flatten this exponential curve of the outbreak. Throughout the next few weeks, church, we will prove the church is alive and well by being this church, okay? We describe today in the midst of crisis. That is our nature. Let me pray. I'm going to pray for three things over you, this whole body of Christ, all listening, watching, and uh, those that are meeting together. The three things is I'm going to pray that the coronavirus, this COVID-19, let's pray it's destroyed in Jesus' name. We serve a mighty God, and this sickness, we can pray, and I'm going to. The second is the carriers and the victims, that they're healed and recovering. We see the numbers. Let's pray that God does healing in their lives too. Finally, for everyone else, all of us, let's stay connected in a wise manner. Let's flatten the curve and do the right thing so that we can soon see each other again and greet one another as we always have. Okay? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we look to you in this time of crisis knowing that you have shown us and given us this nature of yours. It's by your Holy Spirit that we look to establish this kingdom culture, this nature of Christ during this crisis. So God, we pray first and foremost, let's get the big one out of the way that Satan would just stop any excitement over this virus. But oh Lord, you, King of all, you would start doing a work, giving wisdom to the scientists working in it, but even just miraculously. Lord, break the cells that cause this virus and destroy the coronavirus and COVID-19, Lord. Destroy that in Jesus' name. That there would actually be a amazing recovery because the church being wise without fear and understanding how to work as a community works to fight in prayer against this. Lord, we got time. We are here in this place and we look for you to start breaking chains of those who feel a slave to this broken world and we start proving that there is a mighty God that can do great miraculous things still to this day. God, we know it's broken. We know this world brings sickness and we can't always uh, have the outcome that we seek and look for. And we know that you can do amazing, miraculous, beautiful things through this brokenness. You've made beautiful human beings out of dust and you being a creator God only create to make things more beautiful, all things working for good. But here, this place, this virus, Lord, if you can diminish that and destroy that and bring wisdom to those solving the problem, we say yes, do so in Jesus' name. Second thing, Lord, we look to you for those that are sick, those that are carrying the virus, the victims, those that are mourning, maybe a loved one that has died. God, bring healing and restoration. Where your presence is, there is life. Where your presence is, there is success, healing, and great miracles. Lord, we know that. So today, we pray for recovery for those that just need this, Lord. We pray for healing to come into those lives because this, Lord, you can flatten a curve, you can push this around, but God, just allow people to turn to you. At the end of the day, the most important thing is that your kingdom 
grows. So do what you will to prove yourself to those in doubt and that need you, that healing would come and that restoration would be there because we need your kingdom to grow. Lastly, Lord, for everyone else, Lord, that we would stay connected, that we would be wise. Let us do what we need to do to flatten the curve. Let us do what we need to do to stop the spread and just to allow this to run its course, get out of our way because we got kingdom business to do. God, you can do that. The smarter we are and the sooner we act on being low risk and wise, the sooner we can get back to doing churches you've called us to do it. And this is fine. This is a church that you called us to today. We're so grateful. Thank you that at times such as this, we can still communicate through online media and the like. Lord, be praised, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.